Volkmiller, and I teach at Drexel. I direct a graduate program in publishing here, and I um, am co I am co-editor of the Pain and Bright Quarterly um, with Marion Wren, and I publish um, creative nonfiction and memoir, and um, that's it for me, Marion. Hi, I'm Marion Wren. I am the director of the writing program at NYU in Abu Dhabi. Um, I've been co-editing Painted Bright Quarterly with Kathleen for 20-something um, years. Uh, I publish personal essays and memoir and scholarly articles um, on the history of journalist training programs. Um, and Michelle, how about you? My name is Michelle Johnson. I'm a senior English major in the undergraduate program here at Drexel. And I'm also a poet. Wonderful. And Miriam. I'm Miriam Heyer. I'm calling in from New York City. Uh, I started with the Painted Bride Quarterly as an intern in my freshman year of college. Um, and I stayed with them. So I think it's about nine years now. And I'm really happy to be on the call. Woohoo. All right. Um, Let's get rolling. Uh, we've got a lot to get through today, and let, let's see what unfolds. Um, first up, we have Kristen Bach's Compound, and this is a prose poem in rap text, and um, I'm going to jump right in on this one. Compound. Come stand in the garden. Let the soft rain rinse you. Line up with the others. Hold hands. Now kiss. Imagine your mind is a blue rose, a blue rose rinsed clean. Hide in the bushes. Wait for the little black stars to squeak by. Step on them. Stamp on them. Some will feel like urchins and under your feet. They will whisper terrible things. Step on them harder. They will cry out. They will have your mother's voice. Run. Catch the stars and squeeze until they burst. They will be slippery. Their black oil will leak into the earth. Now your hands are dirty. They're filthy. Go back to your spot in the garden and stand like a flower. Do not move until your skin becomes blue and clean and cold. Take off your dress. You are dirty inside. Open your legs to the rain. Your mind unfolds like a blue rose. Hold hands. Now you've been bad, very bad. Today you will not eat. Today you will stamp on the little black stars until your feet are raw. The stars will squirt and whimper. They will sound like your father crying in the shed. Step on him. Make him cry harder. He is dirty. Your mother is dirty. Come to me. Come to us. Open your legs. Let us rinse you. My brain is as big as a cat. My brain is as big as a mountain range. I will bend my fat red brain over you like a blood-soaked rose. I will sing to you and wash you and starve you and love you like no other. Now go back to the garden and plant yourself where you belong. Okay. Okay, compound, Kristen Bach. 
Well, I'll I'll jump in and say there's something about the quality of these like violent and compassionate images, um, and the and this just the surreal quality of the prose poem um, that that gains my attention. It really it, it it's commanding and it's also baffling, right? Which is I guess part of the surreal quality. So I I wonder if anybody else has a sense of of what this poem is is up to. I don't know Anybody? if I can answer. Well, I don't know if I can um, <laughs> explicate it in any way. I don't know if I can answer what it's yeah. up to, but um, I, I, I think I like that it's all in directives. Um, mm -hmm. That adds to my pleasure in reading it. Uh, I think I wanted to be the one that read it out loud so that I could hear it aloud and be the one reading it and feel those words for a second. Um, of course, I had read it on the page, but it's different to hear it. Well, I think, I think that the fact that it starts, you know, I didn't know if it was talking to me at first, like you come stand in the garden, you let the soft rain rinse you. Mm -hmm. And when we got to the come to me toward the end of the poem, I realized I wasn't in my story. I was in someone else's story. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that was a really, uh, it was a good choice because it, it um, makes you kind of immediately in the middle of the action. And then you realize that there's actually two characters here. There's one talking to another uh, and you're in the conversation in a way that is so much more personal because for me, I thought that the person was talking to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we can ask the question that we often ask at the table and that is, yeah, this is really weird. Right, it's really weird. We can't. It's very difficult to have a literal um, explication for it. Do you want to hang out? Do you want to spend time in this strange place and try to figure it out? I was commenting on the fact that this poem is saying to step on these little black stars, but also saying that they will have your mother's voice um, at the beginning of the poem, and then again mentioning the father I was wondering like how that relates to what the poem is saying about like whoever the speaker is talking to about their parents yeah and why the poet would tell the or the speaker would tell um whoever they're speaking to to step on something having the voice of their parents right and toward the end it's brutal yeah. about the dad right keep yeah. stepping on the yeah. dad yeah, and he yeah, says yeah. he is dirty. Your mother is dirty. So I, you know, I, Miriam, did you want to jump in at this point? Because I, I well, do want to speak back to what Michelle is saying. But go ahead. No, I, I was also thinking about the dirtiness um, mm -hmm. and, and the, the, you know, the voice itself is is paternal, right? It's almost like you have to deny your own parents in order to listen to this voice. Mm -hmm. And, and this is, you know, this is something that is calling previous relationships unnatural to make the relationship between the speaker and the person that he or she is uh, commanding the one natural relationship. Yeah. Um, 
It's like they have to deny their past. Right. In order to. And who are all these others, yeah. too? Hold hands, line up with the others. The hold hands comes up a couple yeah. times. Who are all the others? Right. So it's for me, it's like, come stand in the garden, right? And let the soft rain rinse you. Those the first two part, like lines of the piece. Like for me, that it, I'm already doubling back to the title, which is compound. And I kept thinking the, the title is it's slippery, right? Because I almost want it to be compost, right? There's something really like earthy and mucky and and dirty, right? Like there's something about like like your hands in the soil, like the dirt of, of soil and this sort of like moistness, right, of, of the earth, right, that seems to be kind of dominant. And then it becomes kind of creepy, right, when it's, you know, um, they will whisper terrible things, right? And those are the the sort of urchins, right? The, well, some will feel like urchins. Well, well, what? Line up with the others, Kathy. Right? You, Kathy, you just mentioned it, right? Mm-hmm. Line up with what others? So it's like, I, I don't, like if you're in a garden, maybe those are other plants. Maybe those are other, you know, plants in a row that have been planted. Um, but by the end of the poem, when it's, you know, father and mother, I'm like, why is that compound? Why is the title compound other than maybe like fusing two things together, right? Like the mother and the father is, is what makes the, this person. But then the poem is is pulling you away from that primal fusing to this like weird, like refusal of them and joining with somebody else, right? And this this other power of like, I will wash you and starve you and love you like no other, right? Like it's a, that's a pretty, pretty bold and, and haunting line. There's also a lot of color in the poem that for some reason is sticking in my mind too. Like the concept of your mind being a blue rose is mentioned a few mm-hmm. times and the black oil and then we come towards the end there's a blood soaked rose yeah and there's a red brain and yes. black stars you're right there's a lot of color use uh you know i i know my own aesthetic and i do we're, we're not here we just went out or am i back can you guys hear me yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Something, yeah, there, something totally blanked out uh, for Michelle and I. But um, oh, I know that my aesthetic likes things to be a little more concrete and a little more literal. And so now that we have done, well, I it, also go ahead. Yeah, or if we, I mean, for me, there's so much of this poem is about trying to. So we have the, you know, open your legs to the rain. Even the rose imagery was very like female anatomy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I, I started to wonder, and again, is isn't very literal. I think it's open to these ideas. Like, are we on a compound, like as a place? Are we yeah. participating in some type of, right. kind of um, closed society? You know, this idea that you have to go back to the garden and you have to be planted and you're one of many. And it's, it's like this inescapable yeah. thing that is, I think, you know, as much social, perhaps even religious, as it is uh, natural or nature-based, right? So I, I, I kind of wonder about the, the purity mm-hmm. and the people too. Well, you know, Miriam, if you take compound to re- like to reference like a sort of cult social 
occult society, right? Like the poem clicks into place in a way, right? Which is, it is a kind of like brainwashing, right? It's, a, it's like you're washing your past away from you, like step on the father, step on the mother, refuse them, right? Like it, they, the poem gains more sense in a way. Um, but without, without that piece, without that understanding of compound, that, that um, connotation, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty slippery. Yeah, and I also think there's something about, you know, thinking of it as a compound, you're, you're part of a system that has these roles, so you have, to, uh, you have to deny your parents, but you're still part of the same system. You're still planted somewhere, there's still someone in charge of you. So that's kind of another thing that made me feel that that was a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Is there a reference to, like, Stockholm Syndrome in a way, like... This line that says, I will mm-hmm. sing to you and wash you and starve you and love you like no other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like torture and brainwashing. Uh-huh. And, and that would work with the title. Of... Yeah, that would work with the title. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, um, so this poet submitted a, a whole batch of poems, I think five or six. And when we contacted her, um, well, and even during our reading process, uh, she let us know, like a, like a great poet, uh, <laughs> that some of her work was accepted elsewhere. So I'm wondering, sometimes when we get a group from one person, we um, make a decision to read another poem by that same author and see if it helps us actually kind of unpack the other one. Um, what do you, what do you guys think? I think we should, I think we should definitely take a look at another poem by Kristen Bach. Um, and I will say that I'm, I was one of the readers in this batch and was a real champion of her prose poetry. Um, the other poems that were in the batch, um, many of them were prose poems um, so I'm, um, I'm a champion of, of her work. Um, so the next poem though is not a prose poem and it's called matchmakers. Um, Mary, can I read it? You know what? Is I don't want to <laughs> go ahead, Mary. You're probably asking the same question. Is this one of the ones that was accepted elsewhere? No, neither of these no. were accepted elsewhere. That's why we're able to discuss them today. But I do think that maybe we should speak a bit about the theme. I, I'm not quite sure if the oh, whole yeah. group uh, was accepted for, was submitted yeah. toward monsters. I think it was. And yeah. so um, I think so. that's an important point to make, actually. So the, the, I believe the whole batch was submitted for one of the themed issues that we're working to fill, which is the monsters issue. And um, one of the things that we often talk about here in Abu Dhabi and certainly in New York and in the Philadelphia editorial staff as well is how much readers enjoy the themed issues that we have done. Um, and in the past, we've done a food issue. We've done a pirates issue. We've done um, film issues, a humor issue. So they're really quite successful, but they are really hard to fill. Um, and I just want to say a word about why I, I think that is. Um, and it's because we're not necessarily soliciting from known writers and we're not soliciting for, for um, special pieces for the issue. What we're doing is open call invitation to writers to submit um, to these issues. And then we read from the slush pile. Um, and as, as you know, from listening to the last podcast, um, 
and and perhaps at the beginning of this podcast, the whole point of 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 what we do is um, to pay careful attention to all of the poems that are submitted to PBQ. And it takes us a while to read because each poem is read by three people. Um, and the point of this conversation is to sort of pull the veil back and and share what what it what goes into making these decisions. Um, so that said, the slow process um, and the careful reading that we do makes it really hard to fill um, some of these themed issues, uh, if that makes if that makes sense. Well, sure. Let's just, uh, you know, monsters. We did have people that thought we literally meant poems about vampires and werewolves. So we had that. And um, I think even just as hard, let's just say equally hard, humor. And we don't even have to take that much time to explain it. But when we were looking for poems for the humor issue, it was really difficult to say, is this truly funny? Is this funny on the page? Will this be funny in six months? (laughs) Right? Is it funny if you read it a second time? There, it was. It was. Uh, we had put off. We had wanted to um, do the humor issue. Thought about it for years, and then finally uh, jumped off the cliff and did it. And it was tough. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, right now, the themed issues that are still falling into place are monsters and locals, and you can see um, information on those um, themes online. And this one is more clearly uh, targeted toward the monster issue. This one that Marion's gonna read for us now, Matchmakers. Yeah. Okay, so Matchmakers. Where does your monster sleep? In a cage too small for him. What does your monster's heart look like? Like a child's teacup, small and full of blood. What color is he? Green, of course. What does he eat? Basically, nose to tail. Cataracts? Installed. Fins? Cauterized, fangs, restored. Good, he's healthy then? Yes, he takes ratfish liver oil from a 300 million year old chimeric fish, half skate, half shark. It lives at the very bottom of the sea and has a face like a rat. Legend has it Norwegian Vikings would hang a ratfish up by the head and the liver oil would drip from its long tail. They named the elixir gold of the ocean and considered it to be very rare and a precious gift. There are many other fish oils on the market but he prefers this one. Excellent, he should make some fine little monsters. One last question, does he have any issues? Well, only if you count his fear of snow globes. Oh, come on, snow globes? Yes, they remind him of his childhood. His father was a snowman and his mother was an icicle. It snowed each and every day. His father cried tears of fire for they begat a daughter named Wendy who after 15 years of unforgivable acts of kindness was sent to live among the moose. Forget it. My monster's not like that at all. And that's Matchmakers. <laughs> well, funny that I would just talk about the humor issue because the first response <laughs> that Michelle and I are having on this one is giggles. Yeah. <laughs> Deal breaker, major deal breaker. <laughs> you don't want to laugh on the monster issue? You know, why, why is that a deal breaker, Michelle? <laughs> I'm just the last line. Forget it. My monster's not like that at all. So apparently having childhood issues is a deal breaker. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, so it's not a deal breaker for the poem. It's a deal breaker in the poem. Got yeah. you. 
<laughs> Got it. Well, I guess one one of the things we'll see um, too when we have the the show notes up is the poem is um, it's a dialogue, obviously, and the way the poet sort of signals that is every other line is italicized, right? So one voice speaks in non-italicized line, and the other voice speaks in italics. So on the page is sort of you know fun to watch the dialogue unfold. I did kind of like when um, at, at the point where the one speaker says, good, he's healthy then. And then there's just like this explosion of information. And I think that that was, in addition to being funny, I think that when you're trying to set two people up, that there's just this moment where you can't help but share what is perhaps too much information. And mm -hmm. I thought that the, the truth of that in the dialogue was what made it funny. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of wondered if you were talking about internal monsters. You know, you think about what makes you compatible with someone and you wonder, like, is, are our demons the same or are our monsters the same? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's both this funny way of thinking about it as an actual, you know, entity on its own, this monster. And then I also thought it could be read as, you know, trying to get two people together and how do their monsters match up? I like that reading of it. Yeah, I say I, th I think for me, I I I was a reluctant um, I'm a reluctant uh, reader on this one in a way, right? Because I was I was such a fan of the prose poems um, that Bach had submitted. So when I first read this on the page, the, the sort of catechism quality, like the question and answering, like just I, I it pushed me away um, from the poem. But reading it out loud was super super fun. I have to, I will give it that, right? Like trying to inhabit those two voices mm -hmm. um, was just a lot of fun. And especially when it tumbled into the longer answers about ratfish and the father being a snowman and the mother the icicle. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking um, in the way that nobody else can think about other pieces that are already in the issue. And this would be, um, I don't know, if I call it a refreshing break, is that a wrong sentiment to have? Um, well, I said it, so it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, Kathleen, why would, I mean, why would calling a poem refreshing or a break be a problem? Right. Like, well, is it because there's humor here, or yeah, maybe because it's you know I'm I'm thereby implying that it's lighter, that it's less. Uh, we have yeah. to think yeah. less, you know, all of those things. But mm -hmm. if those are the author's intentions, then it's not a bad thing, right? To mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to be um, easier to unpack, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's so I have to be like. I, I, I feel like I need to confess this. I was so charmed by the other poems that have been accepted elsewhere. These are not my favorite poems of the batch. And so I'm under the influence of those, those other pieces that, we, that are not up for conversation. So I feel really conflicted. Like there's a lot about these that I like, but I, don't, I didn't like them as much as some of the other pieces, right? So I can see their strengths, um, but I'm, I, I find myself a little bit... Um, like sort of lukewarm rather than totally enthusiastic. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working hard to sort of like clear my head and just think about the two that we're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. And wondering, okay, well, what would it look like if we ran a prose poem and this more conventional thing? 
um, this more conventional matchmakers, which it starts to, you know, it starts out looking like a poem, but then actually looks like on the page, like, like a, like a short play, right? Like it, it really feels like a dialogue. Um, and it might be cool to see like two pieces next to each other, but then the question is, are these two pieces this, like, you know, the, the best that we can publish by Kristen Bach, right? Like, do we, do we want them in the magazine? Do we like them enough? Well, I actually think that thinking about them, you know, facing each other or both in the same, you know, monsters issue, they're both about the value systems under which these relationships are constructed. So I was almost sticking up for the monsters. Like, why is it important that their fins are quarterized? Or <laughs> when you think about like the, the criteria for making a good match, like, so what if he eats something weird or doesn't eat nose to tail or whatever it is? Um, and I think that that the fact that, you know, it's funny, this value system is funny in the way that compound was not, I mm -hmm. think, you know, mm -hmm. asks, mm -hmm. asks the reader something about, what we're willing to consider kind of the light sides of what might be romantic relationships or sexual relationships or matchmaking um, and what is really actually the dark and disgusting underpinnings of our romantic notions. I like your brain, Miriam Hire. Like, actually, you're, you're persuading me. You're persuading me. I was, I was sort of grumpy because other magazines moved faster than we did and grabbed up these other poems. But I do think actually, like putting these two poems next to each other and and thinking about the two little, you know, un universes of logic that each creates, um, they're 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 funky. It's a they're, she's got a funky thing going on here, and I I would like to I think I would like to see these in the Monsters show. Um, it's hmm. fun to have them next to each other as well. I mean, really, that's what mm -hmm. that's I think what I was saying about all of it. Even the refreshing break part, like that first one, is exhausting, <laughs> not in a bad way, but you got to really work, work, mm -hmm. work, right? Um, unless you just want those words to um, spill over you. And then the second one is so easy; it's kind of cool how what they do with each other, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, are you guys ready to vote? Should I, because I think we could move on to another poet. Are, are we talking about? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm freshly in the meeting. Jason, I was Jason gonna, Schneider. I was gonna introduce you in a second. Found in matchmakers. Yes, yes, but but you're here just yeah. in time to vote. Yes, and okay, I'm ready to vote. I, I <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are five now, so um, let's. Let's do them one at a time. Let's go for uh, compound first. Are we ready? One, sure. two, three, vote. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wait, are we saying yes out loud? I guess we, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, with all the other Sweet. technical problems we had today, let's just say yes out loud. <laughs> Michelle and okay, I in the yes. <laughs> Michelle and I in the studio did stick our thumbs up, so we're we're all right. Uh, so I'm my my thumb is up. All my right. thumb is nine hours ahead of you. Okay. H have we have we explained that our vote uh, that our possible votes are thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs sideways? Uh, we don't do thumbs sideways, Jason Schneiderman. I don't know where you work. <laughs> But um... That's a New York thing. we have we have thumbs sideways in New York. We do. Well, well, uh, we go we, actually, we, we go balls out. Thumbs forty five degrees up, forty five <laughs> degrees down. Um, you you can do what you can do what you like up there in Philly. We go balls out, <laughs> and <laughs> we do not do. We we commit. We commit. 
So, um, all right, but I think it's a it's a it's a unanimous in. Um, and matchmakers, are we ready? One, two, three, both. We've yes. uh, we're, we're a split in Philly. Philly has a split. Yes. I just think I don't know if the poem's strong enough. The second poem. I wasn't really captured until. Um, Oh come on now snow globes and then talking about the childhood issues and the fine I really like the final line forget it my monster is not like that at all but as a whole I just don't think that it's strong enough. Well, I think it's interesting uh, that you said that you're captured toward the end because I think that there is a deepening that happens um, and the fact that there's there's these criteria that the monster kind of seems to pass right like. Um, there's no problem till the very end. And, and I think that that's also part of the poem's construction, right? That as you get further on, you get deeper into the weeds of whether somebody would make sense for somebody else. It's, it's funny because I, I actually, th that change in the last part where suddenly it seems to be about comparing monsters instead of figuring out what the monster is like. Um, it was a little hard for me on the first read, and then I actually came to like it more as I read it. But actually, I, I was really engaged in the first part, and then it was that second part that actually kind of um, was less ex less exciting to me hmm. um, the first hmm. couple times I read it. Hmm. Hi, well, you guys. I'm back. Oh, I didn't know you were gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, we. Yeah. I don't know what happened there, but I think that it, in the vote now we have a one yes and one no in Philly, and two yeses in two different places in New York. And what does Abu Dhabi say? Um, well, Abu Dhabi was just kicked off the call for about two minutes, and so I don't even know what poem you're talking about. Matchmakers. Um, We're still okay. on matchmakers. You're still on Okay, so I, I missed the matchmaker. So, Jason, I'm going to ask you, could you turn your video off? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking that might increase the bandwidth. Maybe this is... Yeah, I don't know how to turn it off, though. Okay, first uh, of all, you oh, look adorable. I, love, right, I love the beard, by the way. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, so I'm, I would say yes to matchmakers as long as we run it next to Compound. Um, I think I'm, I'm charmed by the two pieces together. So that would be my vote. Okay, so that's four against one. <laughs> All right, good for you, Kristen. Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> Jason, um, we had go we had gone around this virtual room and had everybody uh, say who they are and where they're calling from. So since you just okay. since you just joined the party, why don't you tell us? Thank you, and I apologize for being late. Um, I will blame it on both technical difficulties and my own incompetence. Um, but I am Jason Schneiderman. I am associate editor at Painted Bride Quarterly, and I am currently the head of the New York staff. Woo! Wee! All right. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, listen, we really do have to roll. So um, the next in the lineup is Roger Camp, but we could put his away and do another monster if we wanted and move to Christina Baptista. Um, that I, monster? I would say, to, yeah, let's talk about the Christina Baptista. I think that's a great, I, I really want to talk about that poem. Okay, terrific. Yes. 
Okay. Jason, do you also really want to read it? I sure. vote for Jason reading. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, monster. Where the cut has dried over, you find red crystals in your hair sugar from a child's cupcake, lost Valentine's letter, crushed stained glass beneath your heel in the monastery. I first saw you outlined against that window, Triptych, you blotting out San Sebastian's image, all mass and shadow, an absorbent dark sponge, stealing his wings for your own. <laughs> Who said that yay? Was that you, Jason? I that was Marion. Oh, Marion. Mary, are are no. you shuffling? Is someone shuffling papers? Like, I'm just hearing all of this, like, paper shuffling in someone's microphone. It's me. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize my mic was picking up the shuffling of paper. But I definitely thought the mic would pick up my whispered yes. I feel like I want to be like the ghost in the machine, as in, yes. What yes, are you saying? Awesome. I want. I want to hear Jason Schneiderman say fine red <laughs> crystals in your hair again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really I love that opening where the cut has dried over, you find red crystals in your hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, that description of a scab healing mm -hmm. is so um, invigorating, right? I mean, it just really makes <laughs> it like, you know what it's talking about yeah. and it makes yeah. it so exciting. And and that's yeah. why that's why like colored sugar from a child's cupcake is is really yeah. a lovely juxtaposition right there, because mm -hmm. yeah we're describing a scab in this beautiful way mm -hmm. right yeah and then that tumble to lost Valentine glitter crushed stained glass beneath your heel right like there's it, it sort of tumbles into a much more like a that sort of like from head to toe sort of image it's great. Jason, I was going to say, didn't the, didn't the New York staff just accept another poem featuring St. Sebastian? We did. We had this long talk about um, about gay men and St. Sebastian. And I just, poem. I just and, love yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. But, and, and Jason, what was it like Saint, Like the, the conventional understanding of St. Sebastian is the martyrdom oh, through arrows. Right. But that's not how he yes. died. <laughs> right? Right. The representation of St. Sebastian is always being shot full of arrows, but he actually survived being shot full of arrows, despite that being the, the image we have of him. And his actual martyrdom um, is just being beaten to death by soldiers, which right. is less picturesque. <laughs> Just a bit. But yeah. I, I'm hoping someone can explain to me that transition because, right, like we go into the, the scab kind of flaking off and then there are these, you know, this series of images, the fine red crystals, the colored sugar, the valentine glitter, the crust stained glass. And then I saw you outlined against that window and I'm kind of like, I don't, I, I get a Sorry. little lost there. Yeah, I read it as there's there's a physical person standing in front of St. Like a, like a triptych that features right. St. Sebastian, right? So there's there's this moment where you're in you're in this scene, like where the cut has dried over, without knowing the significance of it. And I think that the transition is to explain the significance that I first saw you outlined against that window. Yeah. So we don't really know why we're we're in this descriptive moment until that point, I guess. I'm thinking of a church, and I went to a church where there was like stained glass, like um pictures on the window like it was the window and i'm thinking like the crushed stained glass beneath your heel it makes me feel like did the whoever's in the poem did they kick the window out with their mm. heel mm -hmm. that's what i'm thinking but mm -hmm. i'm not 
Sure. Well, it's, it sort of doesn't Crushed. make sense, right? I mean, I saw you outlined against that window, and I think it's the window that's a triptych, right? Not the person. Mm-hmm. And it, right. it's common to have, you know, three images together in a stained glass window. Yes. A triptych. And then it's in, but it's in front of, it's it's in front of a stained glass window. The, the person that was seen, the you, is in front of this picture of St. Sebastian, who doesn't mm-hmm. have wings, right? Like, no, no. And, and yeah, I mean, like, it's sort of, like, I don't, I don't think I, I guess I, I'm really asking, like, do I, should I mind that I don't really, like, the coherence does not become narrative, right? Like, I, I think if he wants us to cohere as a narrative, like, it doesn't. Well, I actually wonder, so I also read it as the person was in front of the window, but now I'm wondering, is it possible that, that the person's not in front of the window, but this is a shadow, right? When you think of, like, the all-mass and shadow mm-hmm. and absorbent dark sponge, that this is something that's, that you're, I don't know the, the science of this, but this is something that you're seeing like, like just a blotch over St. Yeah, because of the way the light is, you can't see the actual details of the person, right? So they're the absorbent dark sponge. Oh, yeah. And right. I, so I'm thinking, oh, that's, yeah. right. And I think that things happened in reverse order, you guys. I think where the cut has dried over is more of a now, and the, I first saw you in front, right? So that the narrative is, we go back in time, as it were. Um, the immediate present. Oh. The immediate present is the cut and the stained glass um, beneath your heel, right? I'm reading yeah. it that I way mean, as well. I mean, narratively, the first time I saw you was in a church, and now you're healing from some kind of head. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Think. Yes, that's what I think. I think it works that way, too. I think the poem works when we read it that way. And actually, Jason, I think, I mean, there could be a a St. Sebastian image that has wings. I mean, if he is a saint now, right? What? Are you guys hearing that noise? Yeah, this happened last time. It's... um... really sorry. Oh, is that your cuckoo clock? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kathy. But about St. Sebastian can have wings if you want him to. Well, sure, if he's a saint. I could think people could depict him with wings if he's a saint. But only, only angels get wings, right? I mean, saints never get wings. Yeah. Well, I don't sa- know. The conventional depiction of St. Sebastian, right, he's tied to a tree or a pole or something. There's arrows hanging in him, and there's usually, like, an angel above him, right? Like, so that's yeah. the sort of conventional, like, like painterly rendition. But in a... But as a as a saint in a window, right? Maybe they're not depicting the martyrdom, so maybe he does have wings. As right. A saint, I mean, that's right? what like Jason, Jason right. also said at the beginning. It's less it's less pretty to imagine him with the arrows. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. I took that back out of thinking about the shape and just thought about like stealing his holiness for your own, or stealing his yeah. divine something for your own. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I ultimately like. Um, I like the poem enough to kind of not care. Yeah. Okay. So then, then help <laughs> yeah. me with this one. Why not, is it called monster? <laughs> I want to know what you don't. You mean you don't care about what just that small bit? Yeah. I, I I mean I, I, I saints are never represented with wings. Like there there is no iconography. Oh um, oh okay. But you're gonna let it no go. There's no Christian iconography that's gonna make it into a stained glass window in which a, a saint has wings. And and you're right. Like a, 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 a an angel would have wings and could be above Sebastian, um, but I don't. You know, like I mean, I, I sort of 
I, I think that this this stained glass triptych is capacious enough that I don't need the wings to be on St. Sebastian, yeah. the poem to work. Um, but mm-hmm. monster, because, I mean, this person <laughs> has suffered a serious head wound. <laughs> like, you feel monstrous. Yeah. Like, I was, I was just, uh, this has nothing to do with the poem. I was just driven, um, when I took the Bolt bus back from Philly, the bus driver had had a serious, like, I mean, he looked like... Um, someone he had, he had he had like a giant keloid scar almost like omar on um mm-hmm. the wire mm-hmm. and his his skull looked like there'd been an like it had been cleaved with an axe like i mean it looked mm. like like i mean there there was like clearly his skull had been in more than one piece at one point and it wasn't it was it was kind of amazing and like it was sort of beautiful and i spent a long time looking at it and, and <laughs> but i understand like, obviously if that's on your face you're gonna feel monstrous right i don't want um, a head wound. I don't think anyone wants <laughs> right. a head wound. And so, right. so the idea that you know, kind of like all of this imagery of kind of martyrdom and beauty and glamour that's sort of coming through the actual experience of of a head wound healing. I'm, I'm, I, I understand that relationship to monster. But do we think that the the person has done some violence? Like, how did how did that glass like? How did the wound happen? You know, it, it could also be a monstrous deed, right? That they, right. in addition to blotting out St. Sebastian's image, maybe broke a window or somehow altered the the scene there. Yeah, I think that's what Michelle was saying, right? It'll make maybe mm-hmm. so, like like you've kicked the window out, right? You know, right. but that dark absorbent sponge that blot right. that sh- that shadow that's kind of scary right. too, right? When you right. see somebody and you can't identify them and only see a black. Right. When I first saw you, right. I couldn't see you, <laughs> right? Is what the author's yeah. saying. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, do you think we're ready to vote? I, we're ready to vote in Philadelphia. We're we're ready in my office. Or I <laughs> by myself. You're ready. Right. Um, well, we will have to. to we will have to think of a of a awesome way to see your votes as well. Um, but because we do the one two three vote, maybe you could all yell it at the same time. That would be super fun. Let's try it. Let's try it. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? We'll use thumbs and you use your voices. Are we ready? One, two, three, vote. Yes. Yes. Ah, oh, that wasn't together at all. Try it again. Try it again. One, two, three, vote. Yes. <laughs> you, you're really bad at this. You're really bad at this. I, I clearly believe that there should not be a beat between three and the shout. There should be a beat between the three and the shout. With uh, the time zones and the technical difficulties tonight, we are pretty close to being on point. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I want to go for that triptych um, one more time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Listen, hysterical. is there going to be a go first? That's the problem is one, two, three, go, or just one, two, three, vote? One, two, three, vote. I think okay. it's one, two, three, so vote. So it's one, two, three, vote, then you speak, okay? Okay. One. Are, we, are you going to say, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say one, yeah. two, three, vote. <laughs> Okay. And then you're going to yell your answer. One, two, three, vote. Yes. 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 <laughs> Thank God we're not a band. Thank God we are not a band. Jeez, oh, man. You, 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 know, you, know the, you know the joke, right? What's what? the one thing you can't teach? What? Timing. <laughs> well, you know what is... It, I, 
the thing is, is I just I'm really glad about how much dramatic tension we just had for our audience right now with those multiple votes. But um, yeah, so um, our enthusiasm is real for Christina Baptista. We said yes like 16 times, so <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good for 15 people being in the room. Um, 15. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's only <laughs> joke. Oh, things are deteriorating. I'm also a very literal person. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, because it is not 10 p.m. for me, we still have some real life stuff to do. I think Miriam does too. Uh, let's have a vote if we should read the part of my father will be played by Jack Nicholson, or um, or close up shop. I could squeeze one more in, but I still have to teach today. I think we should I do it. I always want to squeeze one more in. Squeeze one more oh, in. Listen, That's I, a PBQ uh, motto if there ever was one. <laughs> I, unless I think that we're like too tired to be fair to the poem. Like that's the only time like I'll try to actually end a meeting. Well, I'm it's too tired to be fair. But darling, it's not 10 p.m. <laughs> for you. You better not be too tired. Well, 10 right? p.m. You're in New okay. York. Hello. All right. That's so why I'm just opening I the bottle of. Uh... It's I'm I'm good until 10:30, and I cannot figure out how to turn this cuckoo clock off. So yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna strike again at 10:30. So let's let's okay. Have that be I our, think we'll be done before then. I think we'll be done well, before yeah, then. This, I don't think um, that long. Because we're learning as we're going. I also think that we should come up with a a t-shirt every episode, and okay. and then our huge fan base can maybe you know vote on them or just make them and send them to us or something. So, kind of like the angels have the box. Yeah, yeah. So this week it will be squeeze one more in. Okay. And last week, week I think I'm going to vote right now for you said wank, not wank. What was the uh, word? It's wank. Swack. Wank. Swack. W-A-N-G. No. Oh, was it? No, the poem wank. was swack. Okay. I think the poem was swack and then the exclamation was wang, okay. which is, you know. All right. Complicated so you said Wang exclamation point is T-shirt from episode one. <laughs> Squeeze okay. one more in is the T-shirt from episode two. I hope somebody's writing this down. Uh, but now, who would like to um, read? Uh, and who? Ha um, I'm sorry. I better stop talking because I don't have her last name on this piece of paper. Um, Marion, do you still yeah, have submittable I up? Can you grab? I do. Um, hold on just one sec. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, let's decide who would like to read this. Wait, Michelle, would you like to read it? Why not? Sure. Okay. So just give Marion one second to uh, grab the writer's name so she yep. can announce the writer because that's super duper important. And then you can jump in from the title. Sorry, all y'all. My... Um... Submittable is quite slow. Hold on. So, Jenny. Jenny, Jenny. You're the girl for me. Um, hmm. All right. It's well, Jenny Malbuff. Malbuff. Mal no. Malbuff. Is it? Yeah. So it's father, other monster. Um, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're going to read. possibly right? Uh, that sounds right. I knew it was French. And um, the one we're reading is the part of my father will be played by Jack Nicholson. So, okay, let me just so. double check. I'm I'm checking my email too. We can we'll cut this yep, part out. Yeah, got it. I got it. It's Jenny. It's Jenny Malbuff. Okay. All right. So we're gonna cut all that out. So now. 
you can say Jenny Melville, right? Say it again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll let Mary say it one more time. So, Mary, why don't you say, Michelle will read the poem by Jenny Melbooth. So, Michelle will read the poem by Jenny Melbooth called The Part of My Father Will Be Played by Jack Nicholson. Big white teeth. My brother reminds me he isn't Irish, but the brows are the same. Horned and intense, he'll do a plum job. In the scene, something isn't right. The lighting is strange. The furniture that was there is now here, or gone entirely. Someone is standing in the background that wasn't just before, and that yawn sounds like a door closing or opening. Everything looks normal, but one thing has blood on it. I didn't mention the scariest part. Jump cut. A man in a bear suit. You can't help but like him. He commands attention with broad arms or bright eyes when seated. His face looks crooked in the wrong direction. When you glance together in the mirror. Okay, thank you. I love your voice. Thank you. <laughs> I have never met you, but I think you are a wonderful reader. Aww. <laughs> Michelle is a poet, and she likes to read her poetry at um, slams and, and I, I like to hear around it. the city. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Um, I, I like all of these images. That's what I, I get. Like everything that I love Jack Nicholson, but you know, who doesn't, um, the whole, I don't know. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out, but what I am seeing is fun, you know? Um, I, I don't know. The part of my father will be played by Jack Nicholson. That's a crazy great title too. Yeah, it is. Me. I sort of like it until the jump cut, and the jump cut just really doesn't work for me. I mean, I sort of, I mean, I get it, but it feels, I mean, it's, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's a big tonal shift, and um, I don't know, I, I, it was, it was hard for me to kind of like, it, it seemed a little silly, and mm. something that was kind of holding me in a different way. Well, I mean, from the beginning, really, you're not already, like, in a weird place because <clears throat> of the part of my father will be played by Jack Nicholson and, the you know, the brother saying he is an Irish, but the brows are the same. Like, that's kind of light to me. The lighting is strange. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I am. I'm having a hard time knowing where I am. And so I mean that. I think that's it, Kathleen. Like, my my brain wants to know where I am, right? And, and not in a bad way. Not It's not like grasp. It's like grabbing for it, right? But big white teeth, my brother reminds me he is an Irish. Like, it, it, it's got to be like, you know, some sort of dream iteration of this person's life. And in that dream, the father's played by Jack Nicholson, right? And if mm -hmm. that's the case, then it's not just Jack Nicholson. It's like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, right? right. Like, there's sure. something about the strange lighting and the, and the bear suit and the blood right and like, the, yeah which and the shining is such a story of of you know family psychodrama psycho terror right mm -hmm. um, especially the kubrick iteration of it right is is like it's both reserved and totally freaky creepy mm -hmm. and that that feels like the the contain like that illusion is the sort of container for the poem right you know? yeah can you explain that last line, um, or that last sentence? His face looks crooked in the wrong direction when you glance together in the mirror. Yeah. So I do. You, I, I'm I'm working pretty hard at that, right? Like I don't I don't know if it works rhythmically, 
but it's also, I'm not sure if it's a direct reference to one of two things, which is that creepy ass scene in the film where Nicholson's dancing with this beautiful woman who then becomes the sort of moldering dead body. Remember that? And, he, yeah. and, and that happens as he's looking in a mirror. I believe he's looking in a mirror when that happens, right? And then there's also the final scene or the final sort of camera move of um, the close up on the, that painting of from the overlook where it's like the, the guests and then it moves closer in and lo and behold, Jack Nicholson's one of right. the guests. Right? Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's like, there's something about the, like the uncanniness and the inversions that that film sets up that seems to get picked up here, but I can't quite catch the, catch the, the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, I, 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 my read is that it does recall. Um, I didn't think of the second moment, but I thought of the moment where he's dancing, and and then in the mirror sees what he's really dancing with. I think it's that yeah. whole thing. Um, my father, myself. You know, reflection of yourself and your, and your um, parents, and vice versa. His face looks crooked in the wrong direction. So his so mm -hmm. the mirror, which should be uh, reflecting him in one direction is reflecting him the wrong way. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we see each other yeah. opposite of how we are. Well, the, he's on, it's crooked on the wrong side. I just, that's just, I just see this face in a mirror. I see Jack Nicholson mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but instead yeah. of being flipped, he's not flipped. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it just, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Am I the only one who hasn't seen this? <laughs> oh, you didn't see The Shining? No, no I have not seen The Shining. I you when I read this, go and watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> when I read this poem, it's a strange one. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Michelle. When I read this poem um, by myself, like not having any reference to the film, I felt like completely lost. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm thinking as someone who hasn't seen it, like, does it yeah. work? Right. Because when you well, guys, sorry, go ahead. Why, why, are we, why are we saying that it's The Shining? Is it because of the man in the bear suit? Is that in The Shining? Yeah, I think, well, is it? I mean, isn't there, yeah, because there's a guy who's in a, he takes oh, off right, some right. sort of Oh, right, right, I remember head, right? that. He takes off the, right, okay, I'm sorry. Or or, or maybe, he, I don't know, there's somebody with a, I'm, I'm going to have to Google it, right? I'm Somebody's Googling got it right costume. now. Oh, it's like some weird sex act. Like there's like something right. really, yeah. <laughs> It's a guy in a it's a guy in white tie with like a dude in a bear suit. Yeah, yeah. that's it. The dude um, in a bear suit. Sure, <laughs> totally I mean, creepy. Right. Jack Jack and Nicholson's eyebrows are always horned and intense, but they are, yeah. are especially so as Jack in that um, yeah. in the movie, that movie. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. No, but more than yeah, saying, so like five easy. No, the man in the bear suit okay. uh, does it. That that convinces me. Yes, we are talking about. We are talking the about the shining, but. But to go to Michelle's point, boy, oh boy, is that that illusion is like, like, pretty buried in a way. Like it's it's trusting that it's speaking to a, a reader who knows the film, right? Like it's not, it's making the reader work pretty hard to catch the, the connection. But once you catch it, it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's The Shining, right? Like. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to defend the poem, could we say that you get one thing out of the poem if you don't know that film and you get another thing if you do? Does the film inform the poem mm -hmm. or is the film necessary for the poem? I think that might be 
a crucial well, thing. Well, I have to say, if you guys are, are like, criti like criticizing or critiquing the jump cut, jump cut only makes sense if the film is in conversation with the poem, for me, right? Um, well, well, or well, well, the, the poem has to be read as a dream, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just the sort of like jump cut juxtaposition of like a, a dreamy montage. Right. right. Well, I think as soon as, I mean, jump cut could mean any film though, right? Or mm -hmm. dreamy montage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be The Shining. We already know we're on a film set because the part of my father will be played by Jack Nicholson, right? And then we have yeah. lighting and scene and all that other stuff. So we're seeing a, a, a soundstage or a film set of some mm -hmm. sort. I mean, mm -hmm. Jason Zizka used to do this a lot. Like there would all these, you know, Tonight Mom will be played by Katie Couric and, you know, like all these sort of things. And and it was always kind of for me about um, a way of distancing yourself from your own life, um, kind of seeing mm -hmm. yourself as the protagonist in some kind of resolvable story rather than kind of actually having to live with the messiness of life and you know like you know who's yeah. going to play you in the movie sort of thing um is that what's going on here or is there something you know else i mean it just i mean to me it's, it seems like you know like sort of acknowledging that one's father is a monster and you know that like mm -hmm. by transposing it into the shining um, things become intelligible, right? Like if, if I try to explain yeah. to you what's going on, you're not going to understand. But if I tell you, or if I tell myself, right, that this is, yeah. this is this is this cultural production that does make sense. It's kind of it's 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 a metaphor, right? I mean, it's a basic. Yeah, and but I, I want to add to it too, like that appearance of the you. Am I mistaken? It does, there's no you in the poem until that the second to last stanza and the last stanza, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, so there's something kind of weird about that pronoun too. Like suddenly the reader's implicated, right? So are we implicated as audience, right? Like, and I think that was part of the the creepiness of that film, right? Like the sort of weird sense of spectating on this this family dysfunction, right? And right. like the poem is kind of doing that with the reader too. So it's not if like I get the sense that the you isn't just me, but it's like the reader more broadly is being positioned in front of this mirror and now we're all caught up in the deeply creepy Freudian stuff right <laughs> that's that's also kind of funny right like it's being distanced right it's being um, presented in a way that gives the, the speaker some some distance on it and the reader is suddenly complicit so I don't, as I as I just revealed, I have never seen The Shining, and I've been kind of quiet because I really like this poem, and I'm trying to figure out why. Um, and I think that part of it is that um, when when we're thinking about the premise of, you know, you can imagine like you're sitting around and and you know it's almost like a party game, like who would play so and so in a movie, or who you know who would, and there's obviously a conversation that's been happening, right? Like the speaker and the speaker's brother are discussing this because the brother does this fact check like he is an Irish. And we learn that that's something important to this family. And by the time I get to this idea of a man in a bear suit, and again, having not seen the movie, mm -hmm. I kind of, um, I'm interested in thinking of a patriarch as a man in a bear suit, right? As somebody mm -hmm. who has this kind of, um, obviously has this humanity, but is playing a particular role vis-a-vis the rest of the family. Um, I was totally, I was on a, um, a film set or whatever. And I think that because I didn't get the reference or I didn't even really know that there was something specific there, I thought I was in a developing story. 
right? Mm -hmm. I thought I was in the, the thought experiment as it rolled out. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of liked that. Like, if you think of the speaker, it thinks that the father will be played by Jack Nicholson and then has to figure out why, kind of piggybacking off of what Jason said. I, I thought that mm -hmm. was good. Yeah, yeah. And the you is the audience, right? The you, I think that's mm -hmm. why the you doesn't come until then, because mm -hmm. now here's the audience's reaction to this. You can help but mm -hmm. like him. He commands attention. Mm hmm. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, right. And then you got that creepy compression at the end. It's like when you glance together in the mirror. So it's like now the audience is like in in the scene with them, right? So that that it's a slippery little gesture that makes it pretty intense. Yeah. Guys, are we ready to vote? Are we ready to try our chorus again? Um <laughs> Uh Kathy, I have a question first. Yeah. I don't think did, did this come in to be considered for monsters? I think it so. It did, right? Yep. So I happen to yep. have submittable open. Please consider the following poems for the monsters issue. Okay, just yep. making sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's where I've been focusing my reading energies. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, shall we? And that and that does help in the. Um, I'm sorry, Miriam, that that wasn't made more apparent. But yeah, that helps us as, in our decision making. I think so. Uh, let's let's do it, guys. I'm gonna say one, two, three, vote. And after I finish that T on vote, I want to hear it. Okay, New York and Abu Dhabi, two spots of New York and Abu Dhabi. Let's do it. Already, one, two, three, vote. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> we did it that time. We we didn't all say the same word. But so we have two yeses in the um, audio studio in Philly and. I heard at least one yes out there in the void. Mm -hmm. I think you heard two, two yeses. Think. In the All voice. right. Yeah, uh, Marion yeah. and Maryam, you were so know. in sync. And I, and I, and I want to say that I really do like respect this poem, and I actually really like this poem. It's, it's just I don't think it's um, ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you're outvoted, Mr. Mm -hmm. Schneiderman and Dr. Schneiderman. As, as I so often am. <laughs> and, I know how um, it feels. Yeah, it happens. It happens to all of us. It happens to the best of us. So um, that's it. I don't mean to rush our ending, and we're going to have to edit this one anyway with all these technological difficulties we had today. But um, thanks for joining us for episode two. So, uh that's it. Come back for episode three. Thank you. All right. Bye.